Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, starting at verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Let's pray. Jesus says... The one who hears my words and puts them into practice um, is like someone who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. Father, please help us to be people today who hear your words and put them into practice. Amen. Our passage this morning helps us answer two closely connected questions. Uh, What should characterise Jesus' followers? And what will compromise Jesus' followers? Or to put it more simply, what should we be like and what will hinder us? We're in Luke chapter 6 and we're about halfway through one of the most famous sermons ever preached, a sermon given by Jesus to his disciples, preparing them for a life following him. And he's just called his 12 disciples on a mountain, and now here he is teaching them what it looks like to be his followers. So what should characterize us? What will compromise us? 
Well, in our passage this morning, Jesus tells us three things. He tells us that we should be merciful like our Father, but that we should also be careful who leads us, and we should be serious about our sin. Let's take those three things one at a time. Firstly, as Jesus' followers, what should characterize us? What should we be like? Well, Jesus calls us to be merciful, just like our Father. wonder if you spotted that in verse 36. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 6, verse 36 says this, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. See, one of the most precious truths at the very heart of the gospel is that believers are adopted into God's family. We are children of God who can call God our Father. But not only can we call God our Father, we are called to resemble our Father. And not physically, but morally. I'm like the toddler who kisses their teddy goodbye because that's what they saw their daddy do. As God's children, we imitate our father. His character is the model for our character. In particular, we're called to be merciful. Uh, That is, to show kindness and compassion even to those who don't deserve it. Which is, of course, how God has treated us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Our Father in heaven is merciful. In fact, the very reason we can call him Father is that he has been merciful to us. And so we, as his children, should imitate him and be merciful like our Father. But what will that look like? What does being merciful involve? Well, Jesus goes on to tell us in verses 37 and 38. He says this, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. And in two verses, Jesus gives us four instructions, two positive, two negative. Four instructions, which illustrate what mercy looks like. In particular, says Jesus, being merciful means not judging and condemning, but rather forgiving and giving. Now, it's important we're clear on what Jesus is saying here because these verses could easily be misunderstood and misapplied. Jesus is not saying that believers should never make any judgments, uh, that, that we shouldn't be discerning. How do we know that? Well, because throughout the gospel, Jesus himself calls us to make judgments, uh, to do things that require judging and discerning. For example, in Matthew chapter 7, in another of Jesus' famous sermons, he says this. In fact, he says this just after saying, uh, do not judge. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. 
And how do you do that without making some judgments? And similarly, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says this, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Again, that requires discernment, does it not? In fact, we'll see that putting the second half of our passage this morning into practice, well, it requires us to make judgments. It's also helpful, I think, at this point, to remember that God is our model of mercy. Because God is very clear, isn't he, about how we should live, and he warns us about sin. And that doesn't conflict with his mercy, And if anything, it's part of his mercy uncovering sin rather than immediately judging it as we deserve. And so Jesus here is not forbidding us from making judgments. Rather, he is preventing us from being judgmental. That is from leaping to quick and critical judgments because there is a world of difference, isn't there, between judgmentalism and discernment. And the judgmental person quickly jumps to conclusions whilst the discerning person carefully weighs the evidence before making a decision. The judgmental person focuses on other people's faults whilst the discerning person always examines themselves first. The judgmental person relies on rumours and assumptions whilst the discerning person asks questions and tries to understand the bigger picture. The judgmental person will leap on even the tiniest of faults, while the discerning person is willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. We are kind and compassionate even to those who don't deserve it. And there is a big difference between judgmentalism and discernment. Jesus here is calling us not to be judgmental, not to jump to judgment and quickly condemn, but rather to forgive and to give. Because again, is that not precisely how God treats us? As sinners, he could have judged and condemned us And unlike us, in our judgmentalism, he would be entirely justified in doing so. But God is merciful to sinners. He didn't judge and condemn us, but rather gave. He gave his one and only son so that we might be forgiven. And God is incredibly patient with us, being merciful again and again and again as we keep on sinning in and through his son. God is merciful. And as children of God, we should resemble our father. Which is hard, isn't it? And because judging and condemning people, particularly when you're quite angry, well, it can feel actually quite satisfying, can't it? Uh, What's more, judging others can make us feel better about ourselves because, after all, I'm not like them. Or it can allow us to write other people off, particularly people we don't really like or disagree with because if I can look down on them, well, then I can ignore them and not pay any attention to them. And what's more, giving and forgiving can be exceedingly costly things to do. 
Especially when we realize that Jesus' commands here aren't limited to the people we like. No, quite the opposite. Jesus has just told us, we got this in the very beginning of our reading this morning, to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, and to give to everyone who asks. That's hard. It's hard not to immediately judge the passerby who's rude at the supermarket yesterday, or the parents who are bringing up their children differently to how we would think they should, or a friend you spend time with and you look at the way they spend their money or time, well, it's not the way you would. It's hard to forgive the bully at school who forced you out of the friendship group or the boss at work who has made your life, if you're honest, a misery or perhaps someone closer to home. Being merciful, like our Father is merciful, can be really hard. And so the question is, how do we do it? What will motivate this kind of mercy? Well, firstly, as we've already seen and, well, need to be reminded of again and again and again, God's mercy God's mercy to us. God's mercy motivates our mercy. We are kind and compassionate to others, even to those who don't deserve it, because that is precisely how God has treated us in and through his son. It's not the only reason we're given in the passage, though. And because also, Jesus says, we show mercy. Secondly, because how we treat others is how we ourselves will be treated. Did you spot that in verses 37 and 38? Do not judge, says Jesus, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. And not just a little bit, but a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus says that how we treat others is how we ourselves will be treated. And which does not mean that we earn our salvation, we earn God's mercy by being merciful. And But rather, by being merciful, we demonstrate that we are God's children who have and will receive mercy. And I found one of the commentators, Leon Morris, uh, put it exceedingly helpfully, in his commentary on Luke, and he said this, This is not salvation by merit. Rather, the thought is that the true disciple is not judgmental. When God accepts someone, God's grace changes them. A forgiving spirit is evidence that they have been forgiven. How we live shows who our Father is. And those who have received such abundant mercy, amazing grace, will they show mercy to others. Now, like the two-year-old trying to copy their parents' drawing of a cat, our efforts aren't perfect. But they are pleasing to God, our Father, and they show that we are his children who will not be judged or condemned. How we treat others is how we ourselves will be treated. So then, as children of God, 
let's be merciful like our Father. Is that not how we want to be treated, long to be treated ourselves? And when you say something you instantly regret, when you hurt someone, are not I forgive you the three words you long to hear? Is not this, this mercy, also rather rare in our culture at the moment? A post something thoughtless online, and are you given the benefit of the doubt, or are you immediately judged? Uh, a politician apologizes, having made a mistake. Are they forgiven, or are they condemned forever? How distinctive and beautiful mercy is. Maybe today there is something you are holding on to, refusing to forgive. And maybe there is someone you have written off, judged and condemned. Maybe today is the day to show mercy like your father. In verses 36 to 38, Jesus calls us to be merciful because that's how we've been treated. That's what should characterize Jesus' disciples. Next up come two parables, two short stories that illustrate truths. Two parables about things that can compromise Jesus' disciples. Two parables that both concern sight. Because in order to follow Jesus... Well, we need to see things clearly, to have the right perspective on the world, to, to look at the world the way Jesus does. After all, um, why is it that we often fall into the danger of judgmentalism? Why is it that we fail to be merciful? I think it's often because we look at things the wrong way. We look down on others, we focus on their sin, and we turn a blind eye to our own. And so Jesus tells us two parables about sight. Uh, the first is in verses 39 and 40, and it's all about who we're led by. Luke chapter 6, verse 39. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. And Jesus here is using an intentionally vivid, memorable, over-the-top almost illustration, isn't he? About the danger of being led by someone who cannot see. That is a teacher who does not understand God's ways. And a very dear friend of mine has been blind um, since childhood. About ten years ago, he was matched with a guide dog. Can you imagine if he'd been given a dog that couldn't see. I mean, it's a ridiculous thought, isn't it? And that is the point. Because blind leaders cause big problems. And firstly, says Jesus, they may lead you into a pit, a deep hole you cannot escape from, only darkness and despair await you there. Secondly, says Jesus, students become like their teachers. And so if you're taught by someone, if you're led by someone who cannot see clearly, well then bit by bit, drip by drip, slowly but surely, 
you will become just like them, equally unseeing. For example, it is very hard, if not almost impossible, to be merciful if you're led by someone who just shows no mercy. So take care who leads you. Now, above all, this is a call, isn't it? To follow Jesus as our leader, because he is the one person with 2020 moral vision who always and only ever has the right perspective, looks at things, looks at people the way he should. And which is why we take the Bible so seriously, because it is through the Bible that Jesus teaches us and leads us. Ultimately, this is a call to follow Jesus as our leader. And But there is also a call here to be careful who we follow under Jesus. And because we don't want to be led by a blind guide. And the beauty of this passage is that I think Jesus has intentionally put this warning about leaders after his instructions to be merciful. As if to say, this is what you should look for in a leader. Yes, someone who teaches what Jesus teaches. But also someone who lives out what Jesus teaches, who gets just how merciful God is. They're gripped by the gospel of God's grace and they are therefore merciful just like their father. Not perfectly, only Jesus is perfectly merciful. But over time, it's worth asking, are they compassionate and kind even to those who don't deserve it? Actually, that is a Good question for all of us, as in our small and individual ways, we lead and guide others. At home with our children, at work with our subordinates, at Sunday school, Tuesday link, Wednesday club. Are we compassionate and kind even to those who don't deserve it, like our Father is to us? Now we will mess up. I'm sure all of us know that painfully already. But God is merciful, forgiving all who truly repent. What's more, Jesus is our guide and he will always and only ever lead us the right way because he can see perfectly and as he leads us, we will become more like him. So let's be merciful like our father and let's be careful who leads us. And finally, let's be serious about our sin. In particular, that we deal first with our own sin before seeking to sort out everybody else. And that's the message of Jesus' second parable in verses 41 and 42. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye, says Jesus? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. When you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Again, Jesus tells a vivid and memorable story, doesn't he, to illustrate his point. And again, it is intentionally over the top, even ridiculous. Imagine going to the optician because you've got something lodged in your eye. You just can't get it out. And in walks the optician, and they've got this whacking great beam 
sticking out of their own eye. As they turn to face you, it swings round, swipes the wall, maybe knocks the poster off with all the little letters on. Would you trust that optician to remove the speck from your own eye? Well, says Jesus, watch out that you're not guilty of the very same thing. Guard against hypocrisy, that is, holding others to higher standards than yourselves, leaping on other people's faults whilst overlooking the same faults in yourself, judging them whilst excusing yourself. After all, they were clearly wrong, but I was tired. It'd been a long day. You know, I've been under so much pressure. So I'm excused, but not you. As followers of Jesus, one of the things that can derail us, hinder us, is judgmental hypocrisy. Being quick to criticize my colleagues for things I do as well. Being quick to discipline my children for behaviors they've learned from me, if I'm honest. Expecting others to meet standards which I frequently fail them, and yet in expect them to meet and so I judge them for it perhaps to their face perhaps behind their back perhaps in my heart now again we need to be careful here because there's a danger that we hear what Jesus has to say about judgmentalism and hypocrisy and we overreact to it that is we become so worried about being hypocritical that we give up on confronting anyone about their sin ever And I think that's some of what's happening in our culture at the moment, isn't it? We're so worried about hypocrisy, well, that we just affirm everyone and everything. Except, of course, when they cross that boundary, and then we show no mercy whatsoever. There's a danger, isn't there, that we give up on confronting anyone about their sin. After all, who am I to judge? But that is to miss here, I think, what Jesus says. Because look at the end of verse 42. You hypocrite, says Jesus, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly, why? To remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus wants us to help others. He just doesn't want us to be hypocrites. He wants us to deal with our own sin first. Before leaping on other people's failures, we should always take a long, hard look in the mirror. And we should prioritize our own holiness rather than forever focusing on on the faults of other people to whom our default position should be mercy. As followers of Jesus, we should be serious about our sin and merciful like our Father. In fact, the more we appreciate our own sin, the more merciful we will be. Because it is very hard to judge and condemn people when you're honest about your own flaws, your own sin. And it is very hard to judge and condemn people when you realize just how merciful God is to you. And so let's be serious about our sin. Not judging others whilst overlooking the same sins in ourselves. Let's be careful who leads us, above all following Jesus, who alone has perfect vision. And as we follow him, we'll become like him. And finally, let's be merciful like our father, who didn't judge or condemn us, 
when he could have, but rather gave his one and only son so that we, undeserving sinners, could be forgiven through faith in him. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank and praise you so much for the mercy you have shown us. Father, you gave your one and only Son who died for us. Father, it astonishes us at your your continual mercy to us. Please, Father, work in us, transform us, help us to be merciful like you. Not to jump to judgment and quickly condemn, but to forgive and give. Please, Father, help us to be careful who leads us. Thank you so much for Jesus, our Saviour, King, Teacher, Leader and Guide. And please, Father, help us to be serious about our sin. And not leaping on other people's faults, but rather repenting ourselves and then helping others. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name, through whom you had mercy to us. Amen. Well, as followers of Jesus, and we've seen we are called to be merciful just as our Father is merciful. So let's sing again one final time of our Father's faithfulness and mercy.
endurance and encouragement. Give us the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.